Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Rangers Rabble Academy Special. Today I'm joined by the head of the Rangers Academy, Craig Mulholland. How's it going, Craig? Very good, Willie. Thank you for having me on. Great stuff. I know I've been pestering you for this for a long time, so it's good to finally get it sorted out, isn't it? Well, I think, you know, I think it's important that uh, all you viewers know why we're kind of on this morning and supporting this, because probably a lot of the guys don't know that yourself and Peter and Jim and Gordon and Robbie and Ross and probably missed a few of the guys come to every single youth game. And I think I think it's probably good for your viewers to know that the reason you guys have got such a knowledge of what we do is that you guys have been at, I think with some of the big, big uh, Robert turned up at South Africa and we were there with the guys out of Qatar. Everyone's up at Elgin the other night. It's incredible. And one of the things we always speak about is see the range of support and the influence they have in developing our young players. So, you know, you take Alex and Leo and stuff last year, they played in front of good crowds. So what you guys do coming to the games, because, oh, listen, we've all been going to Ibrox and that, but it's easy being a range of support, isn't it? But some of the trips that you guys do, uh, going to Elgin on a Tuesday and then going to Huddersfield or something on a Wednesday like you've done in the past, we are really grateful for that, uh, Willie. And that's why when you asked us to come on, we're really keen to come on and support what you guys are doing this morning. Because for all you guys who come, and again, for those who don't know, there's a group of what, 12 or 15 probably overall, isn't yeah. it? These are absolutely everything. So if we can give something back to you guys, then great. And, and we, we thank you for that. That's appreciated. Thanks very much. Right. I'll say I can have spoke to you before the pod. So I think the biggest thing everybody wants to know is why did the Academy make such a big push in the summer recruitment and kind of what was the reasoning behind it? Yeah. So this is not something that's new to us this year. This is something we've planned well for a number of years because what happens is, see when you form your under 10 group, which is the first, the kind of last amateur group of you like, and then they sign for the club under 11s. If you don't get that bit right at under 10s, you're always chasing it the whole way through, year after year. So if you remember, if you think of the age these kids are now, which is about seven years ago, that's when the club was still in the championship. At that point, the academy hadn't been remoulded and reshaped. We were probably still losing a lot of players to other clubs at that point. 
Now, we probably didn't start, if we look at an 05 and 06 group, they probably were never Rangers' strongest groups in terms of the number of A players that we had coming through those groups. So what's happened is we've planned for this. So we, we now have a, a succession planning model. Um, we've got a player grading model, and there's, a, there's a, basically a pipeline of talent all the way through from under 11 right through to the B team. And then what we look at is where are those gaps? Where do the gaps occur? And then where do we recruit into those gaps to make sure we've always got enough A players in the system that we can push forward towards the first team? So we've known for a number of years, you've watched the games well this year, you'll appreciate that. When you look at the likes of an 07 group below it, we've got a fantastic group coming there. Mm-hmm. They'll come into next year's under-18s. We probably won't need to do high any recruitment. But yeah. we knew when we hit this under-18 spot where the 05s and 06s came together, this was going to be a massive year for us in terms of recruiting into that group to make sure we'll get enough A players that we think are in a pipeline that can go and hit the first team. The following year, if we look at the 07s coming next and they join them with the 06s that we now have, there probably won't need to be much recruitment. The following year, again, if we look at the 08s, the 08s probably aren't our strongest overall group, but there's some really fantastic players in that group who will join my big group of 07s. And when we look at the 09s below that, they're a really strong group, so the smaller group of 08s will join with those 09s. So when we project forward to the under-18s, we're always looking to see where those gaps are. So I think from that point of view, David Stevenson and his team, Big Phil Cowan, who you know, Ian Murdoch, Max Ashmore, Curtis, they've done a wonderful job over the last two years looking at that sort of 14 to 16-year-old gap and saying, right, who do we want to go for this summer? And then off the back of that, obviously, Rory Wilson headed down south. So we make sure commercially we get the right deal off the back of that. And then what that does is that helps fund a lot of the signings we made this summer using the FIFA cross-border model. And actually, what we're sitting at the moment with a number of new A players in the building that we're really excited about, but we're actually also sitting in a positive cash position from Rory heading down the road. So we've years ago, and, and that was the same, if a player was maybe moving down to England, you'd be panicky about it. Or yes. It was an issue. This is going to become, because of the Brexit rules and the, and the change in Brexit rules, and again, you see it when you come to the games, the number of English scouts that come to our games has probably doubled or tripled from where we were then what we had to do is make sure commercially when somebody goes down the road, we do a really good deal for Rangers. But off the back of that, we can use the FIFA cross-border rules to make sure we bring some really exciting talent the other direction to Rangers. And I think, well, if you look at the, if you look at what we brought in, we've got some of the best young Scottish talent, we think, that we brought in. Yeah. There's, some, there's some from the private academy market in England, which is a really interesting market for us. And then there's also some lads who are offered contracts at their existing clubs within professional clubs in England that we've managed to attract up the road to, to Rangers. So we're really excited by the work that we've done. Today is the first game against Carlisle, so we're looking forward to seeing some of them actually get on a pitch and uh, perform. But we think we've actually improved massively this summer the number of A players, but also commercially for the club, ended up in a, in a cash-positive position. What is the kind of background to these sort of private academies? I know obviously there's been a bit of chat with Jack Roberts coming up the road and obviously some of the recruitment this year as well. What is the kind of background to these academies and why are Rangers looking at like sort of that kind of talent pool? Yeah, it's an interesting one because it's not something that we were probably that close to up to two or three years ago. And probably David Stevenson, but certainly Phil Cowan has led on this project for us. Mm-hmm. And if you look at many of the clubs in England, they take the Joe Ebos who have been in these kind of academies. They're basically private academies that run mostly in London. Certainly Birmingham's starting to get some, Manchester's starting to get some. And it's kids that are playing in cages, it's kids that come off the street, some really, really good uh, volunteers almost going to run them, albeit there's no financial market behind it as well. But some of the talent in there, there's just talent that seems to get missed who haven't been in the academy system for a very young age. So 
what we accept is that when you bring them up, they maybe don't have the professional values that you want them to have. They don't understand the lifestyle, the diet, the it's small, simple things. Some of the some of the lads that came up yesterday, we saw them ready to leave the training ground, and they still had their training kit on from training. And the guys, you know, people are shivering. They're not used to doing that after training. That's the real detail that we're going through. However, if we can get those bits right round about them, and we can shape their lifestyles, we can get them in elite uh, habits, their actual potential and talent is probably quite different from the profile we get in Scotland. Now, don't get me wrong, Willie, but first and foremost for Rangers, we want to have the best players in Scotland to a Scottish club. We need to make sure we're the best Scottish players. That will never change. But the reality is we also need to widen that, uh, widen the horizons. And what we've done is there's two or three new scouts we've put into those key areas in England to actually make sure we're first at that market. We're getting the intel. And it's, you probably find the players will not so much be scouting because there's so many. But see the, see the relationships and the intel and what I want Rangers to be is right at the heart of that uh, that knowledge base. And I think with Phil and the guys that we're now employing down there, I think we're, we're certainly getting some uh, joy out of that. Albeit, we accept that some of these lads won't work out and they'll go back down the road and it's almost an extended trial you bring them up for. But we're pretty confident, and you'll see this season, that one or two that were signed, we think have got really high potential and can, can kick on. Well, I suppose in the Scottish market, I know you obviously don't want to kind of like sort of touch on too many of the, you know, the guys because they're still quite young. Getting players like sort of Lancelot Pollard and getting somebody like Bailey Rice. I mean, I think Bailey in particular, you know, there was clearly a lot of talk around Bailey and Rangers having an interest. A lot of the top English clubs were looking at him as well. How difficult is it now to actually get the best young Scottish players because of Brexit and the amount of English scouts that are watching these games? Yeah, I think I think it is competitive. I think it's probably two points in what you said there, Willie. The first point is you're right, we don't want to hype these young players up because what happens is everybody sees them as a signing, but they're 16 years old. In fact, if you take Bailey, just because you mentioned him, he's only 15, only turned 16 in October, actually, right? So think of yourself at 15. If we, all of a sudden there's a lot of social media, there's Ranger, you're signed there, everything that goes with that, we want to calm that down. That's why we don't do People often ask, why do we not cover the under, or do we cover the B team more than we cover the under-18s? Because the under-18s, we want to give time to develop, we want to give them the space to develop, we want them to do the, the various learning journeys that need to go on through that time. So we want to keep the profile low. I think another pro, another thing about Rangers is we want our young players to be humble. We want them to be, they still do jobs around the building in the way they traditionally would. We want them, if a visitor comes in, shake their hands, look in their eye, represent Rangers in a way that we would believe is right from the standards. Now, if we hype them up too much too early, that then creates inevitably no criticism in the young players, an ego or an image that they feel they need to live up to. We want them to be low-key, let them do their journey through the A-teams, and then obviously the profile rises slightly later when they get to the B-team. Second part of your question, there's no doubt it's getting more competitive for young players because what the Brexit rules really meant was an English club previously could go to Spain, Holland, Germany, and go and take the best young talent from there between the ages of 16 and 18. The minute Brexit kicked in, the English clubs could only go to Scotland, Northern Ireland, or Wales. So if you imagine, the change at that moment was massive in terms of where their priorities lie. But what, what really pleases me, I think as a football club, getting to the Europa League final last year, um, winning the league two years ago, the profile of some of the players we have at first team level, I think there's been a real recognition of just the size of club that we are. So that helps us attract players. But importantly, if we look at the facility we have here now at the training ground, if we look at the quality of player we have in the programme, our participation in the UEFA Youth League, but most importantly, Last year, we ended up with 10 academy graduates playing in the first team. Mm. So that attracts young players to come the other way. If we didn't have the facility, if we didn't have the programme, if we weren't appointing 
the Zeb Jacobs, if we didn't have a modern coaching staff, a really exciting curriculum, uh, six or seven sports scientists, six or seven analysts, all the stuff that we've built over the years, we wouldn't get these players Willie, because that becomes normal in, in the, the academies we're competing with in England, Germany or whatever else. So I think from that point of view, Rangers is now seen as a really attractive option, both in terms of the development uh, piece that lets the kid hopefully have a 20-year career in the professional game, but also the fact that one or two of them will come through and play for Rangers first team when they see the lads have went and made that jump uh, last season and, and Nathan the season before that. No, no, I think that's been obviously the best thing the last few years, seeing Nathan, seeing Alex, Leon. Obviously, the game at Tynecastle was just something special, you know, to see so many of the boys in the, you know, the bench and obviously coming on. Cole scoring his goal. I mean, I don't know if life gets any better for Cole at that point when he scores that goal at Tynecastle, but... You see, you see, well, life can't get any better, life can't get any better for Cole. I think for guys like you who've watched him since the age he's at, and I know myself, Brian Gilmer and Dave McCallum were sitting in the stand, and you feel like a nervous dad when all those boys are on the pitch, and you're just hoping they do well. But the, but the fact of the matter is, they came on at 2-1, the game finishes 3-1, and they performed, and hopefully it gave all the supporters who don't do what you guys do in both the games a wee sight of what you've been watching for the last few years. Do you, you must have felt like us, where you're actually just so desperate for them to do well, given your relationships with them, and Everything else. Yeah. yeah, I think the thing is, I think sometimes on social media, people probably think I'm just going to blow in smoke when you talk about, you know, the talent that we've got at the academy. I think it's starting to, you know, show now because a lot more people are taking notice of Alex and they're taking notice of Leon and then obviously what Cole did, what Adam's done. You know, these are important parts of the players' careers as well because they're now being, like, sort of seen in a bigger profile. You know, obviously, Robbie Ewell's over in Portugal, as is Cole, yeah. as is Adam. I mean, that's a big step for a lot of academy players, in my opinion, and it's great. Um, and I hope, obviously, this season, yet again, we see that next kind of push, and maybe there's another one or two that, you know, get an opportunity, potentially, in some of the cup games early on, and that's really the next step, you know, for some of these I lads. Think, I think really all we can do is prepare them in a way that's in line with Category 1 clubs in England. It's, you know, when the double-pass audit, the came and said, right, our academy's now... An elite academy. When we started the journey, we all, you know, you know, you know, academy directors will always say youth development is a long-term thing, and they'll try and get ten years out of it because they try to get as much time as they can. But I think genuinely, this has taken us about six, seven years to really start to see the fruits of the labour. So if we take the player academy, our young players are doing eighteen hours a week of contact time with player academy. This group that are coming through, many of them, Leon or whoever, are probably the first ones that have had four full years of that. Mm-hmm. So we're now so. I know it's easy, people always laugh when people in my job say, yeah, we need more time. That's always what they're going to say, isn't it? But I think I think ultimately we're now starting to see what we started six, seven years ago coming. And the important thing is the manager at Rangers, whoever it is, is never going to take a player to Portugal or wherever just because it's part of the strategy. The players need to earn it. I think what you just see Adam Devine, uh, Leon King, uh, Cole McKinnon's away, Alec Lowry's away, Charlie McCann's away, Oxford McCrory's away. Uh, Glenn Middleton's away, so those six or seven lads that have either been academy signings or developed from the age of eight, they're there on merit because they've done well. And, and that's the other bit. Well, let's never forget, we're Rangers. It shouldn't be easy to get a Rangers first team. We need to win every game. So therefore, the lads need to perform when they go there. I'm pleased to see at the moment they have to appear to be doing that. Okay, well, can I switch over now and talk about, obviously, the two groups, the kind of two older groups? Obviously, with the 18s, as we've already said, there's been a massive turnover in numbers. So, like, a lot of the supporters obviously won't really know a lot of these guys. Does that, like, sort of dampen the expectation, maybe, for some people that 
Obviously, in previous years, we've been reasonably successful. We've won the league. We've played in the Champions Youth League. Hibs obviously won the league last year. I mean, how important is it for Rangers to win the league just purely because of the Champions League and what that brings to the club? Yeah. So, first, first and foremost, it changes nothing for us, Willie, because our expectation at youth level can never, ever be to win Youth Cup, win the Youth League, or whatever it may be. Now, I always make this message hopefully really clear. That doesn't mean to say, see our players, no member of Rangers staff will ever tell them we don't even win a game of football because we're a club that's steeped in winning. So see the minute they pull on that blue jersey, the guys, the guys know they need to win, right? That'll never change. But if we decide we're going to play a young lad from the 80s up in the B team, and that means that we're less likely to win that under-18s game, but it's right for his development, we'll always make that decision because ultimately it's about player development. The team is only a vehicle for us developing players. So people just now, we've got a group, uh, you've seen them, a lot of 2008s, for example, right? And we've got two or three exceptional players, so that's under 15s in that group, who are really confident over the next few years will come and be Rangers players, potentially, not first team players, but certainly through the, the, the PDP and maybe onto the first team. But as a group, they've had a few difficult results because some of the better ones are quite small at the moment. But the easy thing to do would be to fill that with bigger players that goes and wins games, arranges under 15 level, and then we don't go and develop that talent. We will stick with that talent. And what people forget is, and I don't know if you remember this, see if you look at the 2003 group that Alex Alex was in, if you remember them under 15s, they took some horrendous scores, right? Mm. Because, again, there was loads of them still physically developing and growing um, at that time, right? And what we need to remember, see now, when they go and watch Alex playing against Arps and scoring his goal and everything else, nobody remembers what the score was at under 15s and 2003s. So... In terms of that expectation, we're like, nothing will change from us as a staff. We'll continue to push players. The 18s will be predominantly 2006 this year, which is under 17. Um, the lone league team will be the most of the under 18s, the 2004s who played last year. So it will be a challenge for both groups. But, yeah, of course, what we're going to try and win and expect to win. That's football, that's sport, that's, that's life. But we'll also be mindful. The under 18 leagues are an interesting one, though, because, because the experience of the UEFA Youth League is phenomenal for our players. There's no doubt some of the lads that have broke through have benefited massively from that experience. But equally, what we can't do is hold back an under, you know, an under 18 player from going to play in the B team to try and win that league. So if I give you, I give you a really obvious but simple example, technically Leon King was still aged to play under 18 football last year. Now, if we were reminded that getting the UFA Youth League spot is really, really important to us, he could have played Leon King in the under 18s which we're both smiling because it would be crazy to do so. But he goes, he goes and plays men's football in the, in the lower league and then eventually transfers around Christmas time to the first team and would end up in five or six appearances or something by the end of the year. So we'll never, ever, ever stop that progress. But at the same time, you're trying to find a balance because that character of the UFA Youth League is definitely something in terms of best v best that, that, that helps develop our players. So it's quite a difficult balance to, to hit. But, but first of all, Willie, it must always be player development, never winning youth trophies for us. The only team at Rangers that needs to win every week, as we both know, is Rangers custom. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll just move on to the B team, finally. Obviously, last season, I really enjoyed watching the boys play. I thought it was a terrific season. thought they played some really good football. Um, obviously, in the end, Bonnie Rigg were just, you know, sort of too consistent over the season, to be fair yeah. to them. What's the kind of expectation for this season? Um, and, obviously, about... Are we expecting quite a lot of changes to the group or is there going to be a mix and match from last year to this year? Yeah, so the, the group just now will be most of the under-18s that we played last year. Uh, Darren McAnally's, Mackenzie Strachan's, uh, Jack Hartness, lads like that, who will all move up 
from the 18s. I think you've, you've watched the league, you'll, I'm sure you'll agree. I think they'll find the, the, some of the games are only quite a challenge for them because of the physicality they're coming from from the 18s league into that sort of uh, lower league uh, uh, programme. I think the lower league's quite an interesting league for us. It gave us loads of opportunities last year to get boys more regular training in the first team. That had they been in loan, they would never have got. We would never have achieved that number of first team appearances had they been in loan. So let's take an Alex or a Leon or somebody, had they been away in loan somewhere else, they wouldn't achieve those minutes and wouldn't be starting to establish themselves as part of the first team squad. So the loan league became really, really important for us in providing a vehicle where our sports scientists could get them every day, our coaches could get them every day, our analysts could get them every day, they could train with the first team every single day, they played in a ranger style at the weekend, they still got men's first team football and they played in front of a crowd. And for us, that's far, we think far more beneficial than perhaps putting them somewhere where I mean, Billy Kirkwood does a tremendous job, he's at games all the time looking at our own players, but the reality is we've not got that daily contact with them in the building. So I think for this year, the under-18s that came up, we'll find that challenge. We'll add one or two players to, to that group as well, because if you do the numbers in the group right now, because of the numbers that we'll put out in loan and the numbers that we've moved to the first team, I think we're actually only sitting about 13 players or 14 players for the B team. And last year they played 59 games. So if MD thinks we can do 59 games with 14 players, that's probably not going to happen. So we'll add one or two to that group, which is always part of the strategy because we should be bringing the eight-year-olds that have come all the way through and eventually into the B team like, as I mentioned, the Darren McAnally's and Kenzie Strachan's and Robbie Ewers, boys like that. But we must always augment that with some talent that will be identified externally. And then we effectively run the two strategies hand in hand. So I think this year's B team will see lots of opportunity for young ones. And we'll be a younger team again. I, I do think it'll be more of a challenge because last year we kept quite a few 2002s in the group um, to support that. We won't have as many 2003s supporting the younger ones this year. Um, but again, I go back to it, as much as we want to go and try and compete and be as high up in the league as we were last year, it's about the player challenge for us and make sure we're pushing them. And likewise, if we lose players to the first team, um, and it means a, a score slightly weaker, fantastic, because that's why we're here. That's what we're here to do, you know? Figures that, um, one final question on that. You obviously touched on the loan market. Is that now like sort of changed direction for Rangers? Obviously, in the past, when you didn't have a team in the lowland league, basically it was like, you know, the sort of lowland league wasn't there. So you had to loan players out basically to get them that experience of men's football. Has that now changed in Rangers' eyes because of the lowland league? Uh, no. Well, 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 partially, I suppose it has. We've got another vehicle to play them well. So, yeah, I guess, I guess it has slightly. But what I think has changed is, remember, it used to be, if you looked at a player plan, you yeah. play under-18 football, under-17, you hopefully push into a... Even when it used to be under 19s and under 20s, and under 20 team, under 18, and then you might need to go on loan before you go to the first team. I think what we can't do is actually pigeonhole everybody of an age that they're going to go and do a certain thing at a certain time. What's becoming much, much clearer when we talk about individualising the programme is that every player journey is different. And I know it sounds a bit cheesy and you hear people say it all the time, but it's actually true. And the skill that we're having to get now is saying, right, what might be right for Paul McKinnon this year will be different from what's right for Alec Lowry will be different from what's right for Leon King, will be different from what's right for Tony Weston. And our trick is to say, right, if we look at all their physical data, um, if we look at all their player uh, sort of technical data, if we look at all the opinions of the coaching staff in the academy, the sporting director, the opinions of the first team staff, you try and bring all that together, be as objective as you can, and put in place a plan for that player you think is going to maximise that player's potential. And it really genuinely needs to be individual. And of course, even with loans, there's probably three types of loans, really. There's the ones where there's maybe a boy who we know is not going to be a future Rangers, 
and they probably know there's no value in. And what we want to do to treat them the right way is get a career uh, plan for them that means they're starting to get a CV and go and maybe move on somewhere else. The second type of loan is where somebody we think will be short of Rangers, but actually we think there's a value in, and we go and try and generate a value by putting them out somewhere else. And then the third type of loan is where we think we can play for Rangers. And what we're actually trying to do is get something in that experience for them that takes them closer to Rangers first team. So what one example is one of our lads, I'll not give you the name because you know him, but it's uh, even what we tell you, he doesn't like the physical aspect of the game. So people talk about is a loan to the Scottish Championship, right? Well, it actually might be right for him because if the physical aspect of the game is a bit he doesn't enjoy, we need to go and develop that aspect. We've got another boy just now who we know we need to develop tactically. And we're talking to a couple of Dutch clubs that we might try and get him out. We might come off, it might not come off, out to Holland where the game might be a bit more tactical in nature. So the loans need to be individual to them. Billy Kittle does a terrific job following up on that. But if you look at the ones that have been success recently, Alex, Leon, Charlie McCann, and all these kind of guys, they went straight from the, the B team to the first team, as Nathan did before them. So I think, Willie, the, the trick here is looking at every player individually and try to make a decision that kicks that player on rather than having a, a view that we agree with loans, don't agree with loans, agree with B team, don't agree with B team. It could never be that. It's about what's right for that individual in that moment. No, and I think that's the important thing now. People have to understand that not every loan is for every single player. It's usually there's different fits for different players at different times in their careers. And obviously what they require might be that they need a loan for the physical nature, for the technical side of the game. And I think that's important because a lot of times in social media, as soon as somebody hits 19, let's get them out and loan. And that is near the fit, obviously, for every player as you're trying to explain yeah. it. I hope people watch this interview and understand now that Rangers aren't just, oh, that's fine, he's had his time, so let's put him out and loan. Like, that isn't the attitude. He's just saying there's now a pathway for yeah. Nathan, Charlie, Alex and Leon. They don't need to go out and loan. Like, they're now part of the Rangers' first team. So, like, it's not a requirement now that every no. young player that's has right. to go out and loan. I think, I think, I think, yeah, the, the opposite of that is we probably need one of the ones that go on the loan journey to come back and be really successful. Because the ones that have been successful so far are the ones that have come right through the building. So, some of the young boys in here, when we start to talk about loans, are saying, actually, I'd be better stay in the building because that creates the pathway. So we need somebody who's out and loan to go on that journey. I think another couple of points on it is it's changed now as well. So it's no longer myself or the coaching staff just sitting in a room thinking, right, what options have we got or who's come in? See, we're looking at the data we've got on each player now. And we look at the profiles and combine all of that together. You can make a much more objective decision on what might be right for them. We look at the, the type of league it is. We look at the statistics of that league, what the styles of player like at the clubs, and you try and marry all that up. Now, the, the other thing we need to remember is there's a really lazy lazy line gets used. You've probably heard it where people say, oh, he couldn't get a game for Dundee, so therefore how can he become a Rangers player? If you look at the, the ones who have been successful on loans, particularly down south for other clubs, there have been many, many unsuccessful loans or regarded as unsuccessful loans and ultimately become top, top players. So there's something positive to be taken from every loan, even if they don't get the minutes. I think we need to be careful as a as a nation, I guess, because you hear that all the time, don't you? Yeah, you can't play there, so how can you get a game there? That's not necessarily the case. The people jump to that conclusion too quickly. And I think the key thing for people in jobs that like I've got at the moment and other staff in here is, you've mentioned a few times, what well, about the social media aspect? We don't take any notice of any of that. The profile around the player is, is, is irrelevant to us. It's actually, from purely a football point of view, 
what do we think is going to best develop that player as a footballer and then also as a person to make them closer to Rangers or closer to a position where we can sell them and get a, a return on investment. That's great, Craig. Um, much appreciated. I probably took up more of your time than what no, I was time, really. no problem. No problem. Um, that's really great. Thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks for answering all the questions. You've went in depth on a lot of things, so I really hope people you know, watch this and understand what the club's trying to do, You know why we've had to recruit this summer, um, how the club's moving forward. Um, unfortunately, I won't make today's game because I've actually gone to work, but I'll hopefully catch some games next week when I'm back to normal again. So, thanks for coming on, Craig. It's very much appreciated, mate. Thanks very much. No problem. It's been a pleasure. And I think, I think from our point of view, we want to be as open as we can about everything we're doing. One of, the, one of the things we get a lot, Willie, is we get a lot of visitors from other clubs now coming to look at what we're doing and people say you're really open with your methodology, with your staff and everything you do. But, you know, I think if we give more, people will understand more, uh, we'll get more back. And ultimately, we're really positive at the direction that we're heading in. So we're proud of what we're doing and we want to share it with people. So hopefully today's been helpful and we're glad to support, as I say, your good self. And uh, if there's anything else we can do, just give us a shout. appreciate that. Thanks very much. Yeah. Cheers, Craig. Thank yeah. you. Cheers. Cheers. Podcast Network. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.